uh, so excited about this new collection of talks that we started last week where we're going to go through the entire book of James verse by verse. I'm excited about that. Uh, we started last week with James chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, and today we're going to pick up in verse 12. Uh, really, really just thankful for the book of James. It, it covers a ton of different subjects. I mean, from, from week to week, you're going to see we are going to cover a variety of different topics by looking at the book of James. But as we cover all these different topics, you're going to begin to see that there's a common theme no matter what subject we talk about in the book of James. And the theme is going from just talking about it to being about it. We're going from just talking about Jesus to following Jesus, from just singing about Jesus to obeying Jesus. James, he's not just trying to get you to buy the Peloton bike. He's trying to get you to use the Peloton bike. He, he, he's not just trying to get you to have a New Year's resolution. He's trying to get you to December where you post the before and after photo. Come on. That's, that's the, kind of, the, the kind of guy that James is is. And uh, last week, we started his book by just looking at what he wrote uh, to the early church, and we focused on this word called perseverance. And what we talked about, just to summarize in 30 seconds, is that the world often celebrates starters, but heaven celebrates finishers. As followers of Jesus, we are not just called to start, we're called to finish. And so we have to readjust our goals and go, I'm on a race, but the aim is to finish the race, not to start the race. And so uh, this is where James started last week in his book. Today, he picks up on the subject of perseverance, and we learn that you don't just need perseverance, but you actually are rewarded for your perseverance. That's what James says. We're going to read it in verse 12. If you're there, say there. 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 Blessed, everybody say blessed. blessed. I mean, that's a good word. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, uh, if you want to underline crown of life, this is the reward that James says is available for those who persevere following Jesus. Uh, the word life in Greek that's used right here is actually a word that implies a soul level kind of life, a soul level kind of life. James is saying there's a reward to people who persevere, but it's not focused on your external, it's focused on your internal. You ever had a day that was just good for your soul? Uh, we had a day recently that was good for our soul. We went to Severe Park, which is over near 12 South. And uh, whenever I'm near 12 South, I just get happy. I don't know. It just, I'm just happier over there. And so we're at Severe Park, and uh, we're there with our two little kids. I mean, we're on the monkey bars. I almost got stuck in a slide that was clearly for three-year-olds. And uh, we're just, we're, you know, we're laughing. We're crying. We ate five guys for dinner. I mean, it was, it was a spiritual experience. And that night, I'm laying in bed, and, and my stomach was full, but more than that, my soul was full. And I looked over at Maddie, and I was like, today was good. Today was good. This is the kind of blessing that God wants in your life when you persevere. He wants your soul to be fulfilled. He wants your soul to feel good. He wants your soul to just take, take a deep, refreshing 
breath. This is what happens when we persevere. But there's this little phrase that really stuck out to me this week as I was studying for this message. And it's the phrase uh, to take a stand. Uh, James puts it this way, having stood the test, this is what's required to receive the crown of life. You have to stand the test. And whenever I hear the word stand in the Bible, I think about these three Jewish boys in Daniel chapter 3 named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys ever heard of these three dudes? Shadrach, Meshach. I've always thought that'd be a good name for a restaurant, a pizza place. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. Uh, These three boys, basically what happened, we had this crazy king who decides I'm going to construct an image and I'm going to make everybody worship it. When the music starts playing, everybody's got to bow and worship this image. And if you don't do it, we're going to heat up an oven and we're going to throw you in a fiery furnace. I mean, this dude has some issues that he needed to pray through. And so what happens is they start playing the music and the king's looking around and everybody's bowing except three young Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they decide to take a stand. They decide to take a stand. As the story goes, uh, they get thrown into this furnace, and the only thing that burns, besides the guards that threw them in, the guards literally burn up, it's so hot, but the only thing that gets burned on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the very things that are tying their hands and their feet. This is not my sermon today, but sometimes when you take a stand for Jesus, the only things that get burned are the things that were once binding you. Come on, that's a good word for somebody this morning. And so they get thrown in there and they receive the crown of life. I know zero people in Nashville, Tennessee, who are being threatened by being thrown into a fiery furnace. I know nobody who's, who's being told, you have to bow or we're going to throw you in a pizza oven. I don't know anybody. But I do know on a daily basis, there are opportunities being presented to us to bow. There are opportunities being presented to us to bow to the standards of this world to bow to our feelings and desires, to bow to what culture and what the world is saying is relevant or should matter in our lives. And today I want to encourage you, today is not the day to bow, it's the day to take a stand, to take a stand for holiness, to take a stand for truth, to take a stand for following Jesus. So that begs to be the question, how do you take a stand in 2024? If you want to take a stand, you have to get good at sitting sitting in the presence of God, sitting in God's word, sitting in your prayer closet. We've said it a bunch of times here at Way Church, but if you want to stand for God in public, you've got to sit with God in private. This is how we become finishers. It starts not by doing, it starts with sitting. And when we've sat with God long enough, all of a sudden we start to act the way Jesus acted. And when we act the way Jesus acted, we get to receive the crown of life, which contrary to popular opinion, is not just something that we receive one day when we get to heaven. God wants to give you the crown of life eternally and immediately. He wants your soul to be blessed, not just once you get to heaven, but here on this earth. And it happens when you persevere through trials. That's a great place to say, amen. Amen. Okay, next verse, next verse. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Okay, I'm about to go on a tangent, but it's an important tangent. Okay, just follow me for a second. Because this scripture is one of the most important scriptures in the Bible for our theology. What is theology? Theology is simply 
our view of God. Our view of God is so important because the way we look at God is going to affect the way we look at everything else in our life. In fact, a man named A.W. Tozer, one of, the, uh, one of the greatest preachers, greatest writers in history maybe, he has this quote. He says that the, what you think about in your mind when you think about God is the, import, the most important thing about a person. So the way you view God to, to people who are much smarter than me is the most important thing about us. Why is it the most important thing about us? It's important because if you don't view God in the correct way, you will worship the wrong God. If you have an inaccurate view of God, you will not worship the one true God. This is why, this is, this is scary, but this is true. There will be people one day who get to heaven, who, who, who stand in front of God in eternity, who will not be allowed into heaven, who think that they follow Jesus their whole life. That's a scary thought, but this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And, when I, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There are people right now who claim to follow Jesus, but they are not actually worshiping Jesus. How does that happen? That happens when your view of God is inaccurate. Well, how does that happen? That happens when you get your facts about God from the wrong place. How does that happen? That happens when you get your facts about God anywhere besides this book. This is why it is so important in 2024, not to have a social media-based theology. This is why it's so important in 2024 not to have a culturally relevant-based theology because culture changes and God's word does not. Feelings change and God's word does not. There's an older saint in my life, this woman, she said, hey, Noah, you know what's crazy? There's coming a day when people are gonna set aside the Bible in an attempt to look more like Jesus. That is a scary thought and that is something that is happening right now. There are people who are saying, oh no, the Jesus I follow, what I'm reading in the Bible, that's not, that's not what the Jesus I follow would say. That's not the Jesus that I follow would do. Can I tell you, this book doesn't need an update. It doesn't need an edit that you cannot separate the word of God from the son of God. John chapter one, verse one says that in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. This is an inseparable thing from Jesus Christ. If you want an accurate view of God, it's gotta start with the Bible. If you want a real relationship with the one true God, you gotta start with the Bible. If you want your relationships on this earth to be rooted in the truth of God, it's gotta start with the Bible. We got to fall in love with our Bibles while we're on this earth because it is how we form our view of God and that's the most important thing about us. This is why we're starting the year off by going through the book of James verse by verse because we think at Way Church that knowing the Bible is important. Our goal, I'm going to tell you our, our hidden agenda at Way Church to start this year. Our hidden agenda, are you ready? It's not hidden anymore. Our hidden agenda is that you would fall in love with God's word. I mean, if you fell in love with this book, our city would change. I mean, today we're gonna have 
350 people probably at Way Church today, total. If 350 people said, I can't leave my house until I've opened this book, I'm telling you, Nashville, Tennessee would look different because when you open up this book, you are meeting with the one true God. He is exchanging your heart for his heart. He begins to speak to you. He begins to form you in his image. And all of a sudden it goes from, I'm just talking about God to I'm walking with God. I'm going from talk to walk. That's my sermon. Come on. Okay. Somebody say next verse. Back to, the, back to the scripture. The reason I went on that tangent is because verse 13 is one of the most important scriptures for our view of God that, you, that you'll find in the book of James. When tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. There was only one time in history where God was tempted. The only time in history that God was tempted was the 33 years that Jesus walked this earth as a human being. Jesus allowed himself to be tempted so that he could overcome every temptation without sinning. This is what Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we were, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. So Jesus, he's tempted. He was tempted just like you and me. The difference between Jesus and you and me is that Jesus never fell to that temptation and we fall often to that temptation. The fact that Jesus was tempted and he was not overcome by temptation is the reason why he was able to be a sacrifice for you and for me because he had no sin. The Bible says that he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin when he hung on the cross and paid the penalty of sin so that you and I might become right with God. This is the gospel that has changed so many of our lives uh, that are here today. It's that Jesus, he faced the temptation, he overcame the temptation, and then he died for you and me who did not overcome the same temptation. Aren't you grateful that God did that? Come on. So God was tempted when, when Jesus was on earth in human form for 33 years. But no longer is God tempted to do evil. No longer is God tempted by any sort of temptation. Why? Because he is too good. He is too holy. He is too righteous. He, he doesn't even have to think about temptation. He, he never is thinking, what's the other option? He always knows what's just. He always knows what's good. This is important for the way that we view God. When, when bad things happen in our life, James is saying, don't blame God. He didn't, he, he didn't try to tempt you with that thing. I think the best way uh, to go about kind of this idea of temptation is to think about it like this. God will not tempt you, but God will test you. And there's a big difference. If you're taking notes, I, I'd encourage you to write this down. This has been really helpful to me in my walk with Jesus. On the other side of a temptation is sin. On the other side of a test is blessing. So God doesn't tempt us. That's what James is saying. God will not tempt you, but Satan will tempt you. This is what Satan does. You can get on social media, and uh, I think the worst social media app for this is TikTok. You, you get on TikTok, and, and all of a sudden, boom, you see something, you're like, I'm not even following this person. And, it, and it's some sort of lustful image or some sort of thing that that temptation pops in your mind. And if you act on that temptation, what's on the other side of that temptation? Sin, death. 
right? This is, this is how the devil works. Uh, it's tax season right now, right? New year. Uh, some of you guys, you haven't even logged back into your TurboTax account. It's okay. I'm stressing you out right now, all right? Tax season. You get on TurboTax. It's like you're entering in those numbers, and you're like, oh, man, like, you know, save a couple hundred dollars if I just lie on these numbers. That's a temptation. And on the other side of that temptation is sin, okay? God doesn't do that. But what God will do and what God often does is test us. He gives you the promotion or the bonus. And on the other side of that promotion and bonus is a test. Hey, are they going to tithe on the increase? Are they going to give on the bonus? And if you don't, is it a sin? Probably not. Is it a test? Yes. Because if you do, God says he will pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. It will be shaken down, pressed down, running over on either side. God wants to bless you. And the way that he does it is he tests you. I remember when I first got into ministry, my first ministry job was at a church of about 3,000 people. And I was not preaching. I was not over any sort of ministry. What I was over is I was the media director of a church of 3,000 people, which gives me so much PTSD. I mean, these guys in the back are so gifted. Just give it up for our media team right now. They hired me with no qualifications. I mean, I, I, whoever hired me, they should be fired. You know, like, let, take that out of the sermon. But I just, I don't understand how I got the job. I just really wanted to work at a church, and, and I'm overseeing all this stuff that I don't know how to do. But one of the, the jobs that I had at this church was every week for about six to seven hours a week, I was tasked with editing the sermon for the pastor who preached at this church so that it could be shared on television. And so every week I would go into this little like cubby hole kind of room to edit this sermon. And man, I, I hated it. I was like, man, I feel like I'm called to be a preacher and I got to go in here and edit these, edit these sermons. And I, I, don't even, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm YouTube and how to edit these videos. Just, I just didn't like it. But I look back on that time and I go, man, that was a test that God put in front of me. Will I steward the small to be trusted with more? This is how God works. And what I've noticed is a lot of times Christians will curse the thing that God is putting in their life to test them that's going to lead to a blessing in their life. Can I warn you not to curse the thing that God is using to develop you? This is what the devil does. The devil comes to tempt you because he wants to destroy you. God comes to test you because he wants to develop you. This could be what is happening in your life. It's not a temptation, it's a test. If it's a test from the Lord, we should run with obedience straight through that test. If it's a a temptation from the devil, we should flee, we should use God's word to fight the lies with the truth, and we should surround ourselves with godly community because it is a lot harder to fall to temptation when you got other people watching your back. That's why you should join a way group. Okay, keep going. (laughs) Verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away. Everybody say away. Away. Oh, one more time, away. Away. By their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. In verse 14 and 15, James is giving us the devil's strategy for the way that he attacks us. The devil does not just show up on the first day of going after us and try to take us out. This is not what happens. But what the devil does do is he slowly, deliberately, 
drags us away. Away. Because if the devil can get you away from God, it won't be long until you start trying to live apart from God. So he drags us away. I've never met anybody who just woke up and was like, today's the day I'm going to ruin my life. (laughs) Never met that guy. Never met anybody who was like, today's the day I'm going to cheat on my spouse. Never met anybody who was like, today's the day I'm going to ruin my family's life. Never met anybody who's like, today's the day I want to go to jail. Like, like I've never met anyone who's done that. But every circumstance where you see someone who does some, some, something that, that causes pain and hurt and destruction in their life, every time you can trace it back, not to some big decision, but small decisions to step away. To step away from the Bible. To step away from the church. I just want to stop right here and just say for a second, I think church hurt is real. I I, I think there are people in the church who have done and will do things that cause hurt and pain. In fact, I just want you to know, if if you call Way Church Home, or maybe you're new here and you decide to call Way Church Home in the future, we are going to let you down. We're going to let you down. I'm going to let you down. Our team's going to let you down because this church is not perfect. We're going to do our best, but we're we're still going to let you down. Church hurt is real, but we can never allow ourselves to get so hurt by God's people that we turn our back on God's bride. Jesus loved the church so much he was willing to die for the church. He calls the church his bride. If you wanted to be my friend, but you said, I hate your wife, we ain't boys. (laughs) The devil wants to drag you away from the church. He wants to drag you away from the Bible. He wants to drag you away from godly community. And slowly but surely, if you let the devil drag you away, you will buy into the lie that you can do life apart from Jesus. This is his strategy. I've shared this story before with our team, but I've never shared it on a Sunday morning. Um, a couple years ago, I came across this story of a, uh, of a man in South Africa who decided that he did not want a Labrador retriever for a pet or a cat. Uh, he wanted a hippo. And so I guess they sell them at Petco or something in in South Africa. I'm not quite sure. But he gets a baby hippo. And he created, like, this is a true story. He created, like, uh, baby hippo paradise in his backyard. There was a river going through the backyard and a bunch of acres and just beautiful, beautiful spot. And every day, he'd feed it in the morning, and he'd feed it at night. And he'd go out there, and he'd hang out. He, he even had, like, like, beach volleyballs out there for the hippo. I mean, this hippo was living life. This, this hippo was on vacay. And uh, about five years into this blossoming relationship, he goes out one morning to feed the baby hippo. And his baby hippo was no longer a baby. And his baby hippo decided he no longer uh, wanted to continue the relationship because he drug his owner into the river and ate him. I love like sharing that and just watching people's reactions. That was amazing. I saw mouths open. Someone dropped gum out of their mouth. It was amazing. It's incredible. I read that story and I was like, you, I was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. And then I was like, how can I use this in a sermon? (laughs) And then it hit me. I was like, man, this is exactly how sin works in our lives. Sin always comes dressed up as a pet when it's really a predator. And just like that hippo, sin is never content to stay the same size. And so you feed it, and you feed it, and you feed it, 
And then one day the thing you've been feeding feeds on you when you least expect it. This is the danger of sin. It's that we think, oh, it won't hurt anybody. So it's not hurting anybody except for maybe me. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And what's happening is we're just being drug away. Drug away. James says that sin, it, it's, it gives, gives birth. And, and then that thing grows. And then sin takes us out. It leads to death. Sin, I just, I just want you to, to catch this, all right? We're, we're not going to water it down. Sin does not make you stressed out. Sin does not make your life worse. Sin leads to no life. It kills. Sin is a killer. You want to know what does not help a dead person? A politician. A self-help book. Right? Like, 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 so, like, a, social me- like a social media person that you follow, that, that you like, think is like the smartest, coolest person, and you're like dripping on their every word of, of advice and life hacks and stuff. That does not help a dead person. If you're a dead person, you need somebody who has experience raising dead things to life. You need somebody who walked out of, a, out of a grave holding death by its head like a trophy. You need a champion. You need a savior. If you are dead in your sin, you need Jesus Christ to pay for it. This is why so many of us gather here on a weekly basis, not because we have nothing else to do, but because we realize that we were dead in our sins, and because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, he took all of our sin, gave us all of his mercy, all of his righteousness, all of his goodness, and now we get the crown of life in eternity and today. This is what James is getting at. He's saying, flee from the sin, run back to Jesus. And if you're here today, and maybe you have some sin in your life, maybe you have some regret, maybe you have some mistakes, God wants to make all things new in your life today. He wants to take it, all of it. In fact, James, in verse 16 and 17, hits on it just a little bit. This is not where James stops his letter, but this is where Pastor Noah is going to stop his letter today for the sake of time. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that he created. He says, God wants to give you gifts, not just any type of gift. He wants to give you perfect gifts, perfect gifts, which implies that there has to be imperfect gifts. For whatever reason, when I read the scripture this week, I thought about mall food courts. I think I was hungry. And uh, I love mall food courts. One of, my, one of the most disappointing things to me is that Nashville's mall does not have a food court. It's so disappointing. I'm gonna have an altar call for the Nashville, food, uh, Nashville mall in just a second. But um, I love mall food courts. My favorite thing about mall food courts is those people that stand with the free samples. You know what I'm talking about? The little toothpicks. I mean, they get me every time. I might not even be hungry, but if I see one of those people standing, I, I just act like I'm hungry. You know what I'm saying? Don't judge me. I'm like, ah, I'm thinking about it. I could probably eat, you know? <laughs> like, no intention. But those things are so effective. Like, you take one bite of that, of that chicken teriyaki, and all of a sudden, you're like, I want some chicken teriyaki. You know what I mean? Give me some lo mein, some rice. Like you, here's what I've noticed about those places, though. That sample bite is the best bite of the whole meal. Have you noticed? That sample bite, it's like, that was the greatest thing I've ever eaten in my life. 
$7.99 for a whole plate of that? Yes, sign me up. And then you get the plate and you eat all of it and you're sitting at the food court and what do you say? You're not saying that was the best meal I've ever had in my life. You're saying I need to take a shower. I feel gross. That's what you're saying. This is it. This is sin. That first bite, honestly, a lot of times it tastes great. It's like, man, that was fun. It's a good time. But sin always leads us to a place where we're sitting and we're going, man, this ain't it. Didn't fulfill me the way I thought. Didn't fill me up the way I wanted it to. Didn't make me happy the way I thought it would. Didn't give me the joy I was looking for. Didn't give me the peace I was looking for. Didn't give me the purpose I wanted. Because sin is an imperfect gift from the devil. Take this gift. God wants to give you perfect gifts. What kind of gifts does God want to give you? God wants to give you peace and joy and love and a sound mind. God, God, God wants to give you hope. I tell you, today I experienced what I feel like is a perfect gift from the Lord. I, our family, we get here early on Sunday mornings with a, with a bunch of amazing team, team members that we call the Waymakers. Come on, make some noise if you're a Waymaker. We get here early. We, we set up this whole space because it looks nothing like this when we come in. We, we set, set up this whole space and, and downstairs and the kids and all that there. And so my wife gets here with our two kids. And uh, every Sunday morning, my job is to check in my son at Way Kids. And first couple months, I had to practice some perseverance through that process because he's screaming, he's kicking, he's wiping his breakfast, whatever he had all over my shirt or my face. But this morning, I go downstairs and he goes down. And I was like, oh, you want down? I put him down. He ran through the Way Kids door. I mean, my guy was like, deuces, dad. He's like, I am going into Way Kids. And it just was this, this overwhelming feeling of joy. Like, man, my son is falling in love with the house of God. My son is excited to go into that classroom with those volunteers and to learn about Jesus. And I felt like in that moment, as I'm walking up, I'm like, I'm about to go preach about perfect gifts and I just got one. These are the kind of gifts that God wants to give you. But the most perfect gift that God wanted to give you is his son, Jesus. It says James chapter one, verse 16, that the perfect gifts God gives all come from above. Jesus came from above. He came from above to live below, to live as a human, to walk this earth, to face all the temptations like we talked about, but to taste, but 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 to also to face the, the emotions and the feelings of, of betrayal and the feelings of disappointment and the feelings of like, man, this isn't going the way that I wanted it to. All the things that we feel on a daily basis, Jesus felt it. And then he walked to a cross and died for your sins and for my sins. And so many people in this room We've had 116 people since we started Way Church who have said, I want the perfect gift of Jesus. I want a relationship with Jesus. And so I just, I feel led right now to close service by giving you an opportunity if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, just to make that decision. We're just all gonna close our eyes. And if you're here this morning, you say, I'd like to make that decision. It's super simple. I'm just gonna have you slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you so much. Just slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying with. Thank you. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
Several hands just went up. It's amazing. This is what we're going to do. Our whole church is going to pray this prayer with you. But before we pray this prayer, I just want you to know that it's not repeating this prayer that gives you a relationship with Jesus. It's believing this prayer that gives you a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, which means that if we want the righteousness of Jesus, if we want a relationship with Jesus, it simply starts with believing Jesus. That's it. We just believe that he's God. And so I'm gonna give you these words, but it's the belief in these words that give you a relationship with Jesus. We're so excited that you're making the greatest decision you could ever make. Can we all pray this together? Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin, the ones I remember and the ones that I don't. Thank you for sending your son to the cross for me. I receive your mercy and your grace that you freely gave to me. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. Be Lord of all of it in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we praise God this morning for multiple people who just went from death to life? Come on, we can do better than that. Can we praise the Lord?